listening to episode 18, chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. We're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're talking with Dr. Leo Sanchez. Leo Sanchez is the Werner R. H. and Elizabeth R. Krauss Professor of Hispanic Ministries at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. A faculty member since 2004, he is Professor of Systematic Theology and Director of the Seminary's Center for Hispanic Studies. He received his Doctorate of Philosophy from Concordia Seminary and his Master of Divinity from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He holds a bachelor's degree from Concordia University, Wisconsin in Mequon. Leo teaches regularly in the United States and abroad, and he has delivered courses and workshops in Brazil, Cuba, India, Ghana, Chile, Panama, Argentina, and Venezuela. He has participated in various colloquies on pedagogy through the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. In his community, Leo is principal double bass player with the St. Louis Civic Orchestra. He also enjoys swimming and international cooking. He and his wife, Tracy Lynn, have two children, Lucas Antonio and Anna Victoria. If you're following Jesus, you're probably trying to become more like him. It's really one of the main things we do as Christians. Sometimes it's tough, though, because our sinful natures get in the way. Thankfully, theology can help us out here as we study the life of Jesus. Spirit Christology is the study of the Holy Spirit's work in the life of Jesus. And in this chapter, Leo explains a little bit more about what that means and how doing a little more theology can have a profound impact on the way we live our lives in the real world, just like Jesus did. All right, Leo, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I thought a good place to begin as we begin this conversation on spirit Christology in your book, uh, Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology, is really we need to define some of our terms because uh, we found in most of our theological discussions slash arguments, hopefully not as many arguments as discussions, (laughs) um, but one of the biggest uh, contentions is we talk past each other because we don't we're not talking about the same thing. We're, we're using words with very different definitions. And so for this, I know some of our audience will be new to this topic of spirit Christology. So what is a spirit Christology? Well, thank you for that question. I do get that question every so often. And um, I think what helps me communicate what a spirit Christology is, is to think a little bit about the way that John the Baptist in chapter one of John um, talks about the identity of Jesus. So there are a number of things that John's, uh, uh, the evangelist writes about uh, in chapter one of John concerning Jesus. So for instance, that he is the word um, who creates all things. He's also the Word made flesh who dwells among us. He's also uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, And then John the Evangelist also uh, 
brings up at one point uh, John the Baptist, who um, actually uh, alluding to the baptism of Jesus says, the one upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So um, one way to think about that verse is to think of Jesus as the one who bears the Spirit, who has the Spirit, and the one who then gives the Spirit to others. So a Spirit Christology is another way of talking about the Spirit in Jesus' life and mission. Is the Spirit in Christ, with Christ, um, uh, in his human life and work. And um, this is a prominent way in which the scriptures talk about Jesus and is not in opposition to his identity as the eternal, divine, uh, creative, uh, incarnate word, but rather is a complement to that uh, portrayal of who Jesus is. So we might say, if we want to put it all together, that Jesus is the incarnate, eternal word uh, upon whom the Spirit rests and through whom the Spirit is given unto others. And so that's what a Spirit Christology is. Um, and uh, I think uh, the words from uh, John uh, the Baptist uh, as uh, described by John the Evangelist, uh, are very helpful, I think, to sum up for us what spirit Christology is. Yeah, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. One of the ways that it's been helpful for me to understand or get my head around the difference between spirit Christology and what we might call a Logos Christology is really how we identify who the Christ is. Whereas the Logos coming from John, John 1.1, 1, 1, is it's the declaration. And most of Christology has been um, uh, concerned with identifying who Jesus is as the divine Son of God. And the Spirit Christology sort of approaches it from that different perspective of, of, of like you're talking about what John the Baptist said. Whoever the Spirit comes and rests on, that is the Christ. Mm. Is yeah, a good way of putting it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a Logos Christology, which is, I think, as, as you put it, uh, is also uh, inspired uh, in some ways in John's uh, chapter one, right? And uh, it does talk about his identity as the word, the Logos being the Greek word for uh, the word. Um, I think in the history of the church, a Logos Christology has had kind of a predominance, right? Because the church has always been concerned with defending the divinity of the Son and the incarnation of the Son. Uh, that Jesus is not merely a man, but truly God. And the church had to, you know, defend this claim about Jesus. But also that Jesus, who is true God, really took upon himself our human nature so that he might save humanity, you know? And so that has also been very important in the history of the church to defend both the divinity and the incarnation of the word. And so that has taken a lot of attention, you know? So the church has traditionally spoken of Jesus's identity as the incarnate logos, you know? 
Um, but what that has created, I think, or what, what that has done over time is that it hasn't really paid much attention to what you do with passages that talk about the Holy Spirit in the life and mission of the incarnate logos. Uh, and so part of my work has been to sort of mm, rediscover what I see as a partially eclipse, partially eclipse dimension of um, the scriptural witness and even the church's witness across time concerning uh, the joint mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit in God's plan of salvation. Uh, so spirit Christology is meant to complement a Logos Christology. And so many times we get caught up in the church, at least I have anyway, in, in uh, the ministry positions and conversations that I've had with other people. We get caught up in looking at uh, proving Jesus is who he said he was. And we, I think we, we fail, to, for, we fail to, to keep in mind that the Spirit's work in the life of Jesus also identifies Jesus as Jesus. And so that's one thing that, that I've really appreciated with getting into spirit Christology is it, it's a different way of looking at the Christ that's not just uh, an objective uh, Western apologetic approach that says Jesus is the Son of God because of reasons A, B, and C, and we know that because John says so in John 1, 1, and all the other arguments. I know that's a little oversimplification, but that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about spirit Christology. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that uh, what happens is that you know, we defend something that is true about the Son, but then we also have to take account of the whole scriptural witness. And uh, the church's scripture concerning Christ who he is and what he does for us. And that also includes the Holy Spirit. And uh, so there are many advantages, I would say, to bringing the Spirit into our reflection on Christ. Uh, for instance, uh, in a Logos Christology, the emphasis tends to be, you know, how is uh, Jesus one with the Father? They're equally God, you see. So that's, that's an important contribution of a Logos Christology. A Logos Christology would also want to say that, um, uh, that Jesus is one person, divine and human in one person. Uh, and that's kind of an important contribution, as opposed to simply saying that he's a mere man and he's sort of divine-like. No, no, he's fully God in the flesh, you know, true human, true God, one person. So those are important things to say. But once you bring the Spirit into this Christological matrix, there are other things you could say, too. Uh, you could say, for instance, uh, that uh, Christ's whole life in relationship to the Father and to us is a life lived in the Spirit. So that gives you more of a Trinitarian picture of who Jesus is. It also speaks of his work of redemption in a more trinitarian way everything he does in obedience to the father as the faithful son he does in the spirit 
that he also does as our servant, suffering servant, exalted servant, and therefore for us. So bringing the spirit into Christology gives us a fuller Trinitarian and salvation picture of what Jesus is all about. And so, the, you know, that is one advantage of bringing the spirit into the picture. Yeah. I want to go deeper on that point, but I, I feel like I'm going to be stepping over myself if we jump there right away, because <laughs> I want that, that that's what I want the rest of our conversation to sort of try to tease out and explore as far as like, how does looking at a spirit Christology and understanding that that God or that, that Christ does these things in the spirit affects our life today? Um, but first, I, and maybe at a way of getting at that is, uh, why did you write this book, The Sculptor or Sculptor Spirit: Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology? And maybe a way of answering that I was thinking of is, how did you choose that name? <laughs> Was that a name that you had in your mind the whole time while writing, or did it sort of come about later? I think the actual name of the book probably came out later. Uh, I may have been listening to someone's sermon and then, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, was inspired. Let's put it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think... Um, the reason I wrote this book, uh, a very basic reason, I think, was to make the doctrine of the Trinity practical. Um, what I mean by that is that when people think about the Trinity right away, they, they tend to think that it's something kind of up there somewhere, something very abstract, something that uh, is so mysterious, there's nothing we can say about it. It's kind of an esoteric Christian topic is incomprehensible anyways. So what that creates is sort of a, a chasm between who God is as Tryon and us, right? So, you know, so there is no connection between God and everyday life. Um, and so I wanted to join what I would say uh, be a whole bunch of contemporary theologians who have tried to make the doctrine of the Trinity more uh, relevant or practical for our everyday lives. And one way to do that, uh, in my opinion, is precisely to bring the Spirit into our conversation about Jesus and what they do jointly to bring about the Father's plan. Um, for our redemption, but also for our everyday living, you know? So I wanted to connect the doctrine of God to our lives somehow. And I think, you know, that, that might be what has been driving a lot of my thinking and research uh, over the, the last, you know, 15 plus years. So I think that's, that's important. I, I would also say that there's probably another reason that's related to this. Um, I think part of it was that, you know, the field of spirit Christology has spent a lot of time discussing, you know, if, what does the relationship between Jesus and the spirit tell us about who God is? How does it help us to think about God um, as triune? It also helps us to think about Jesus. So how do you relate the affirmation that Jesus is the God-man 
with the idea that he's the bearer and the giver of the spirit. How do we bring those two things together? So that's Trinitarian theology. That's Christology. Um, I think spirit Christology has also asked questions about salvation. So what, if we bring the spirit into li the life of Christ, how does that help us to talk about what Christ does for us and for our salvation? However, I noticed that there was a certain um, part that was missing. And that's, I think, why I wrote the book, too, which is, okay, so the field of spirit Christology is, is talking about all these areas, but what about sanctification? What about holiness? What about spiritual growth? What about spirituality? What does spirit Christology has to say about the everyday life of Christians and Christian practices, or what we call spiritual disciplines and things of that sort. And I didn't see that in the field of study. Uh, so I believe my book is actually probably the first attempt in the field of spirit Christology to speak to the issue of the Christian life using spirit Christology as a framework. So I would say that's another reason why I wrote the book and I would probably mention a third one, and that is that every time I read books on sanctification and holiness, at least from the side of theology, um, they seem to be very conceptual. In other words, they, they would talk about what sanctification is, what sanctification is not. For instance, sanctification is not justification. Justification meaning that we're made just before God through Christ, so that our works, our life does not contribute to our salvation, but rather that sanctification or how we live flows out of God's grace. Okay, but that still doesn't tell me what sanctification is. It doesn't tell me what it looks like. So I wrote the book also so that I could actually paint some pictures of what sanctification looks like. One of the easiest ways to tell if you're doing theology correctly is how practical it becomes for how you live your daily life. And so, if you're someone who is normally intimidated by theology because you feel it's too out there or deals with issues that are over your head, I hope our conversation with Leo so far has shown you that theology has the potential for speaking directly into how we live our lives. And, if your theology is not practical, then you're probably attempting to study God, trying to figure him out, rather than studying how we can become more like him. And that's what we will be talking about in the rest of our conversation with Leo this week. How the life that Jesus lived is actually available to us today through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So my challenge to you today is this. Put aside any hesitancy you might have about theology and see how this wonderful discipline of the Christian life can work to transform you more into the image and likeness of Christ. Because you don't want to miss the rest of our conversation with Leo. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Leo Sanchez and his work, check out concordiatheology.org. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Leo shows us how it's actually possible to live like Jesus. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, 
go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.